I'm delighted. Well, today I am delighted to introduce Debs Jenkin, the founder of the Asset Path and also podcast host for Chaos to Creation Confessions. Debs is a lifetime friend of mine who we reconnected after quite a while and decided it'd be a really great idea to write a playbook about hacking serendipity. So it's my turn today to be able to interview you and tell, get you to tell a little bit about your story. So thanks for joining us today, Debs. Hi, Phil, it's lovely to speak to you from the other side of the world. We're like opposite ends of, of the world really, aren't we? Yeah, we should explain that. So I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and where are you? I'm in the south of Spain where we're just about to experience a thunderstorm. Okay, so we'll just hope the internet can last out. It's quite funny because anyone listening to this may hear a Birmingham twinge in both our accents, and yet we're living both quite a long way away from Birmingham. So uh, yeah, quite good. We're so both we're both immigrants. It's, it's interesting lifestyles that we've both chosen. Life changes. Well, I hope if you well, I'm going to ask you a question about your backstory and how did you end up where you are. But if you can just sneak in a little bit about where you live now, that's always a bit of a a fantastic hearing. So tell us a bit about your story. What's your career backstory and some of the highlights that you've had along the way? Um, well, I think I'll start at school as well, because I know you started at school when we did your conversation. I'll start at school as well. Um, I'm a girl, in case you didn't notice. And um, girls in those days, maybe still in these days, unfortunately, uh, were encouraged uh, to become bankers or teachers. I didn't want to be a banker or a teacher, um, but I had really good maths, sciences, and uh, I was a bit of a swat. Um, so in my uh, my um, careers day, the careers advisor said, you should go into banking, you've got good maths. And I said, no, I don't want to be a banker. I want to be a writer. I actually really wanted to be a writer. All those hundreds of years ago, I wanted to be a writer. And uh, she said, no, no, no jobs for writers. I've got no jobs for writers on my uh, list. Uh, be a banker. You've got good maths. Or be a teacher. You could be a teacher if you like writing. And I said, no, no, what else have you got um, on your list? I don't want to do those. Oh, no, no offence, bankers or teachers. Um, I just that just wasn't right for me and she said well the, uh, uh, there's nothing else on here for girls you could you could go into nursery school or or be, um, look after children and I said actually I'm going to be an engineer I have no idea where that came from I have no idea why I thought about being an engineer um, but that it just seemed like the right thing to say to somebody who was being very annoying so I decided on my career choice just to spite uh, this how at school and I was only 14 at the time it's like right I'm going to be an engineer I'm going to take engineering subjects and uh, then two years two years later I left school at 16 as well uh, and found an apprenticeship not with British Rail but with British Telecom um, so British BT Fulcrum as we were called then and did my engineering uh, apprenticeship with them and that's where we met we met at Matthew Barton College and um, I was one uh, for, to get on the apprenticeship we had 400 people apply and I was the only girl who got through wow. um, so it was kind of uh, uh, I was like I, I'm never quite sure if I was just the token girl but to make sure I wasn't a token I worked my bum off to always be top of the class and I was still a swat then wasn't I I'm really sorry no I was I just interject there you actually taught me how to revise 
because I was like not quite as uh, structured as you. And I still remember you saying after about the first block of block release and I didn't do so well in my exams, I passed them, but just, I was like revising on the way to exams in Dave Fowler's Renault 11 know, with you spin me around like a record playing really loudly. And, uh, and you got there and you went, have you ever thought how much life would be more fun if you actually revised before you went into an exam film? And I, went, I don't know how, and you went, let me show you. So you were quite clever and a bit of a swat. Everyone benefited in that class because you were willing to help people. <laughs> yeah, willing to help people, but I wanted to win. I was so competitive. I wanted to be top of the class. I've always been a bit like that. You were, so, yeah. you were, and uh, you'd smashed it. And Arthur Rodius, one of our, uh, <laughs> one of our favourite teachers. They always battle with him about that. So, okay, so we've got you to your apprenticeship and stuff. So what happened from there? What was the next step? Well, it was a completely waste of time, obviously, because like I, I actually <laughs> didn't do, I was in engineering for a few years, um, but I never really, I, I wasn't cut out to be an engineer. I talked too much, got too many opinions and uh, not enough, um, not enough discipline to just keep getting the job done. So uh, I got made redundant a few times and then I got sacked, which we won't go into the reason why, but I got sacked so I was looking for a job. So I applied for a load of jobs. I was about 24 um, and um, ended up working for a consultancy. So I became an engineer, a recruitment engineering consultant, and I ended up recruiting for uh, companies like Nokia, strangely, and Siemens and lots and lots and lots of massive engineering companies. I, I ended up being a recruitment consultant looking for working uh, for a small recruitment consultancy in Stourbridge all those years ago. And uh, I actually became, I was the only girl consultant. I've, I've had like this thing of being the only girl doing things. And I was the only girl consultant and uh, the youngest by about 400 years, more or less. Um, so I was only 24 and uh, they gave me the youngest assistant because in those days, uh, all cons <laughs> like it's not quite pre-computer, but it's like, uh, you know, a long time ago. I had an assistant who would type up my letters for me. She was only 18. Hayley, she's a deliciously wonderful person. Um, but we were the youngest pair. And um, within 18 months, I was their top recruiter. This top thing, this competitive thing in me has always been a bit of a uh, a bit of a problem and um so 18 months later I was a top recruiter and I actually sat there thinking to myself um you know what I could do this for myself why am I working for somebody I could do this I'm arrogant enough and um uh, to that I can just start up my own business and it was when the intercloud the internet the web was all starting to be very exciting so 1996 and I said, right, I'm going to start up a web design and marketing company. It can't be that hard, can it? And uh, overnight, I left, took that company on as my first client <laughs> and uh, started next. I started a web design company. Like, if we're doing web design and marketing, it's like, yeah, easy. And uh, so that was the next step. And um, it, it was kind of like a, a leap into the unknown. But it happened in a moment. I decided what it wasn't like a, a build-up of irritation or anything. It was just suddenly one moment I decided, and then the next day I was doing something completely different. Wow, that's amazing. So from there, last little bit, how you ended up being in Spain, and you know, obviously you're 
I've known you from writing or helping people write books. How do you step again from that into basically publishing and writing books? Okay, so we started off, I, I mean, I was an electronics engineer. I actually got a first class degree as well, by the way, in, in doing after our engineering. <laughs> I'm getting a first class degree. You don't, you cannot stop me. So I, whilst I was working, I went night school to do a degree. So uh, competitive, I am like, I'm horribly competitive. I've calmed down a little bit now, a bit. Um, so started this web design and marketing company um we ended up with offices in Birmingham we took a whole floor and there was like 12 or 13 people at certain times I had loads of all these people working for me it was like you know I thought like how clever am I I've got all these people working for me and oh it, it yeah then dot-com bust happened I can make redundancies and I was like yeah, this is not this is the shitty side of uh, being an employer and it was really horrible probably the worst time you know, all the hype and the excitement and then boom, had to make redundancies. It was really quite scary. Um, and at that point as well, decided actually we've got to do something different because websites were sort of a dirty word <laughs> for a few years, if anyone can remember the 2000s and 2001. So wrote, we were doing website, but we were doing marketing. So we were helping small businesses market themselves. And we called it lean marketing because it was market themselves on a budget with the least amount of spend for the most amount of, of effort. So we wrote down all the stuff we were doing and how it was working, what was going well, and what like we kind of came up with the set, seven steps for how you should do it. And we wrote a book and we published a book and it was and decided like we weren't going to wait to be published, we were going to publish ourselves. And, um, and wrote The Gorillas Want Bananas. And that was um, 2003, we wrote The Gorillas Want Bananas and completely changed our whole business model. We changed from being marketing to publishing. So we started publishing as a marketing methodology other people's books. And then that grew and that got really, going really well. And we took on lots of you know, business grew, business grew. And then in 2005, I overnight was kind of not so overnight, but I decided I was going to move to Spain. And um, so I've been in Spain for since 2005, uh, lived in a cave for a while, um, sold the publishing business to my uh, partner. Uh, and so he took the publishing business and that's now really, really doing super successful. And uh, I then started publishing my own books in, on Spain and I've got a line of books on, on Spain, some of them are in Spanish. Um, and in the last five or six years, bought the Disaster Farm, which is where I live now, and have been helping entrepreneurs, really smart people like Phil, like you, Phil, get the smart stuff that's in their heads. This, the really clever stuff that's in their heads and help them turn them into assets so that they can make some money from what they've been thinking about. Uh, so that's what I do now. I help smart people make money from what they've been thinking. Wow, that's amazing. It's quite the journey. There's a few steps in there. One really quick yeah. thing. What is a disaster farm? The disaster farm is a farm. It's where I live now. Uh, it's a farm with potential, um, but it's a bit of a disaster. You might call it a money pit. Um, or time pit it's it, we've got but we've got lots of animals we've got lots of space we've got lots of buildings and it's it's got potential that's uh, what my mentor keeps telling me to say not the disaster farm it's the potential farm yes okay but it is a bit of a disaster but it's wonderful we've got 
uh, goats and dogs and horses and cats, lots of cats. And helping them all, just like you help. And we're helping them all. We're, yeah, rescuing them all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and in, during that time as well, just to like, I went through a few husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so one of them, you know, um, and I'm friends with them all still. All mm -hmm. not not all sounding like hundreds, not mm -hmm. hundreds, just a couple. Yeah, that's good. Because you're still talking to them, and they're still friends. <laughs> so look, yeah. so many things. I mean, your journey is pretty amazing, really, because I think, like you say, it's been driven. I don't think there's anything wrong with competitiveness, but you do like to win. But I think it was also about proving what who you are and what you can do. And you've actually had so much adversity because you did not pick an easy path in any way, shape, or form. But it's amazing what you've done. What you've done. So, but today we want to talk about hacking serendipity and what your thoughts on there. You know, what's that formula that you think there are, and what's that? Have you got any stories of how you've used it or or how it's actually been used in, in your career or your, your personal life yeah okay so we our sort of big picture on the hacking serendipity is it, it's about look plus action i always turn that around i always turn it around to action plus look because for me in my life the way uh, it's worked for me so hacking serendipity's worked for me is that i've done something and then being lucky um and sometimes it's gone really really badly but it's never stopped me from doing something i've always been like um you know if, if anybody's ever said looking for a volunteer i've always been the last one to uh, step forward but the, the, the i've been there while everyone else has stepped back and i've never been afraid of actually doing things um it's a for me, it's a sort of, um, it, my whole thing is about taking decisions. It's about saying yes, if you want to be the yes man, or saying no for now. And what I learned over the years is no for now, for me, works better than yes. I have said yes to things, but no for now has, has brought me a bit more peace and, um, and confidence. You know, if I can say no for now, However, uh, like a little thing to that is if um, if I don't know how to do something, that's never stopped me from saying yes, if, I've, if it's been a yes, because I can always work it out. I know I can work it out. I've got really good contacts. I've got really good friends like Bill, like you. And I know that if I don't know how to do something, yes, I'll work it out has also also worked. And that's, I think, I think luck plus action or action plus luck. For me, it's bad action. My thing has always been away from, so I've said like, I have this thing about um, uh, one day I'm doing this and the next day I'm doing something completely different. That that decision point, that moment in time for me, I've never, uh, I've never, um, there's always been a moment in time where I've made a decision and I've never regretted making the decision at that moment. Yeah. I think you know this. The definition of serendipity is this: the occurrence of, of, and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. But you know, like we're saying, that if you can actually hack this and not wait for these happen by chance, you know, how can you create situations to to make that opportunity open for you? So, like, uh, you, you're living in a disaster farm in the middle of. Uh, uh, rural Spain, basically. How how have you used hacking serendipity to build 
your network or your business or whatever? What, what are some of those tips that you would recommend to, to do in terms of the way it's benefited you? Okay, my biggest thing is about making decisions. It's all about making decisions. And in fact, I wrote a book about it called The Little Book of Big Decisions. It's about, because if you don't make a decision, this is, this is my thing. If you don't take a decision, that is taking a decision. So the longer you sit on something, the more you get over thinking about it. That is a decision, that is a decision to wait. Um, and sometimes by waiting for too long, that the, the, you, you, the decision is taken away from you. So my thing is about taking decisions. And even if it's the wrong decision, making a decision actually moves things forward, actually steps you into the new world. If we think about the hero's journey, the moment the hero starts on, the hero isn't a hero until he starts on the journey. He's just a, an ordinary guy. And they have to take that first step. They have to be Frodo. They have to take that first step. So it's, for me, it's always about, taking a step, taking a decision, whatever the next step is. And they're not really looking back, keep looking forward to get around that arc, to get around the hero's journey. And you'll come back to yourself, um, but you'll come back to yourself different with the ele elixir, if you want to use the hero's journey formula. You know, you'll come back with new knowledge, with new information. But if you stay where you are, yeah. uh, you know, you, you, you've got to step out, you've got to step out onto the path. So for me, it's taking action. And uh, I've got a funny story to tell you about. Um, I've had a few husbands. Uh, I, I, I had been thinking, gosh, this is a weird story. I had been thinking about leaving my husband, the, the ex one. And um, um, things weren't bad, things weren't horrible. You know, there was nothing nasty happening. But it, I was, there was a niggling, not, I'm not in the right place with the right person. And the, the weird bit was, the serendipity bit was, I was sitting on an aeroplane going to Birmingham from Spain, going to Birmingham, thinking about this. And I was like, you know, mulling it over. And uh, the guy next to me on the plane decided he was going to chat me up and have a, you know, see, see how far he could get. Anyway, we're chatting along and uh, he, uh, I hadn't actually said out loud that I was thinking of leaving my husband to anybody. You know, that I think that this was the right thing to do. And uh, but I, I decided to confide in this guy. <laughs> it's a stranger on a plane, you know, I'm never gonna see him again. And like, it's a weird, bit weirdo. And I just said it out loud. And uh, uh, he, he, he said to me, um, and I said, I don't, I don't know if I should leave my husband. And he said, what, what the, what's the decision-making process? What are you thinking? Why do you, why do you think you shouldn't leave? And I said, well, how will he cope without me? How arrogant and egotistical was I? And he said, is he a grown-up, Bab? Is from uh, Dudley. <laughs> is he a grown-up, Bab? Yeah. So why are you making decisions for him? And I was like, that was kind of a profound moment. And I was like, okay, you're right, actually. I shouldn't make decisions for him. What will he do without me? He'll, he'll get on and do his own life. He'll do his own thing. And then he said, anyway, what's your name? And I was Debs. <laughs> like, and he said, oh! He just stopped and like the whole plane, like the whole plane had been listening because this guy had a big gob and he was talking really loud. The whole plane had been listening. And uh, he said, he said, stop, 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 and started rolling up his sleeve and, and rolled up right to the top of his arm. He had my name tattooed on his arm. I like, you know, really badly tattooed, by the way. Uh, it was like really like crap tattoo. I just if he'd done it himself. Uh, but this guy, Steve, his name was uh, just a stranger on a plane gave me a moment of clarity and if I hadn't listened to that moment of clarity where he said you know he's a grown-up bab stop making decisions for you 
uh, it was a moment, it was a pivot point, it was a change, and I could have like ignored him, even though he had my name on his arm, uh, tattooed on his arm, I could have ignored him, but it was a moment, of, and for me, um, it's, it's the signals in the system, I don't know a better way of saying it, you spot these signals in the system, there are moments in time, there are moments of that happen, and if you're not looking out for them, uh, you can call it bigger purpose, whatever you want to call it, but if you're not looking out for those moments in time and listening for the serendipity, listening for the things that will make a difference to you, and then taking bloody action on them, then, you know, then you're going to miss all the, the opportunities for serendipity, all of the hacking serendipity um, chances. Yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I love it. And I think, like you say, it's um, trying to make decisions and not sitting on them. And I've never thought of it, actually, by not making a decision. I'd made a decision to not make a decision, but it's not necessarily a good one because you're just sitting and, and just not being able to move on with things. So yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty. That's why I do know for now so much, know for now, because like if it's not, a, if it's not a, as Derek Sivers calls it, a hell yes. You know, if it's not a yes, yes, I'm going to do it. I do know for now. And then it, it removes the, 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 the idea debt, the baggage, it removes this stuff muddling around in your head and the more things you've got muddling around in the head less effective you can be and the less 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 able you are to listen to to the signals in the system to to the opportunities to take advantage of them so mine is if it's not a hell yes it's no for now that's absolutely brilliant so thank you um okay well look i mean we, we haven't really talked about all, all the the day job in terms of writing but you know where can people find you and you know like what, what are the books that are out there or what's the best place to keep in touch with you okay so i'm debs jenkins you can get me on debbyjenkins.com which is a, uh, my main website i suppose or on the assetpath.com and on the asset path is that's where i help really smart people get the stuff that's in their head that's the clever stuff that they've been thinking about and turn it into assets for their business so that's the assetpath.com and obviously you can get us on hacking serendipity um, and the serendipityhackers.com website and sign up and find out when the book's coming out which it should be next year yeah that's it but thank you so much I, I, it's lovely to hear your story there's still things in there that when we talk i, I don't realize, realize. You know, but even your first class degree. But I think the one thing about you is that you are driven by helping people. Uh, you know, you're, you're very, you create your own internal thing, but you've done so much to help lots and lots of people out there. So it's lovely to be on this journey with you with uh, Hacking Serendipity, but also have a chance to talk to you today. So thank you so much, Deb, and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Lovely. Thank you, Phil. Ciao for now. Bye bye.